Father, a beautiful day. A day to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Father, we pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon me, upon my lips, my thoughts, my proclamation of this word. God, anoint the ears and the minds and the hearts of your hearers. God, place this word in our lives just where you want it to be, that we will gain strength from it, grow from it, and that you will be glorified, your people blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn with me once again to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to read several of the verses that Pastor Stevens read earlier, beginning with verse 16. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. During this sermon series entitled Finding Hope When Things Seem Hopeless, we have journeyed with David through some of the most difficult days of his life. Anointed to become the second king of Israel, David had been running for his life away from a very wicked, self-centered, jealous king Saul. David and 600 men who had been following him, uh, aligned themselves with King Achish, the king of the Philistines. And when the Philistines' commanders rejected David and his men, King Achish sent them away back to Ziglag, a place that had been set aside for them to live. You remember the story, and when David and his men returned to Ziglag, they found their city burned to the ground and their wives and their children, and all of their worthy possessions had been taken away. Now, not knowing the status of their families, David and his men grieved, and the men at that moment turned on him and talked about stoning him. Verse 6 states, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because of the souls of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. They were hurting. But the Bible says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. We're talking about finding hope again this morning when things seem hopeless. David faced what appeared to be a hopeless situation. When you say so, that his, his wives are gone, the wives of his children, the wives and, uh, and children of his men are gone. All of their possessions are gone. Their, their, their town has been burned to the ground. He's facing what appears to be a very hopeless situation. Watch this now. Yet instead of giving up, giving out, or giving in, 
David found hope when things seemed hopeless by strengthening himself in the Lord. That means, that means, that means that David found peace. David uh, found security. David found satisfaction. And David found encouragement in the Lord. David found hope in the reality that he belonged to God. That's what it means. David found hope just, just in that reality that he belonged to God. And, and, and that regardless of how trying the times, regardless of how tedious his task, regardless of how treacherous his trail, God would see him through. Is there anybody here today? who draws strength, encouragement, support, just in knowing that you belong to God, that your destiny is not left in the hands of man or woman, that the course of your life, the joys and the sorrows, the highs and the, the lows, the ebbs and flows, the good times and the bad times are carefully crafted, carefully crafted by our loving Heavenly Father, who always acts on the best interest of those who have committed themselves to him. That dark days and depressing days and dismal days and days of doubting and days of disillusionment and days of dissension are all numbered and must pass. Because while weeping may endure for a night or a season or a term or a time, God has promised to all those who belong to him that joy will come in the morning. Oh, David must have understood that, 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 that weeping may, may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. In other words, that stuff you are suffering through now, that the anguish that you are dealing with will, will be over. That stuff that's afflict you afflicted by, be encouraged because God has set a time. And when it's over, it's over. But second, David found hope when things seemed hopeless by inquiring of the Lord. Notice in verse 7, David asked God two questions. First, shall I pursue the truth? And second, shall I overtake them? God answered David saying, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail will cover all. There is no better way to find hope when things seem hopeless than going to God in prayer in order to get God's perspective. It's a sad scenario. It's a sorry situation. It's a senseless state to go around listening to and following everybody else's opinion but God. It's a shame that people would rather trust the advice of Oprah, rely on the guidance of Steve Harvey, 
depend on the direction of Dr. Phil, the recommendations of Facebook friends, therapists, and religious gurus, rather than praying to God for the answers and following what God said. I agree with the hymn writer who penned these words. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What the hymn writer is insinuating is that when dark days come, when troubling times come, people turn to everybody else except for God, to God. Went on to say, can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Precious Jesus, still our refuge. No matter what you're going through, precious Jesus, still our refuge. No matter how dark it is, precious Jesus, still our refuge. No matter how high the mountain, precious Jesus, still our refuge. No matter how deep the valley, precious Jesus, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. David had it right in that the first place he turned for hope when things seemed hopeless, when things seemed out of control, when things were happening that he could not fix, David turned to God. Notice the words of Psalm 121, 1 and 2, a psalm of asset, which sounds just like David. The psalmist wrote, I will lift up mine eyes. To the hill. And can I tell you something? He was not talking about Capitol Hill. He said to the hills from whence cometh my help. All my help. Oh, not, not some of my help. All my help come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Third, David found hope when things seemed hopeless by obeying God. Don't, don't you know by now that our blessings are, are intrinsically tied to our obedience to God? When we obey God, we get blessed. Forget about the foolishness about your blessings are floating around somewhere in the atmosphere. And if you send somebody uh, some, some money over here and there and get a prayer cloth and a rabbit foot or, or something that your blessings will come. Forget about that. Your blessings come as a direct result of your obeying what God tells you to do. It's simple. When we obey God, we get blessed by God. Verse 9 states, so David went and he and the 600 men who were with him and came to the brook Bressar where those stayed who were left behind. Notice, if you will, the text does not read David contemplated going or David hesitated before going or David did a statistical analysis before going or David sought the views and the opinions of his men before going no the text makes it emphatically clear that when David received clear direction 
direction from God. When David heard from God, the Bible says David went. That's obedience. There is something about pursuing your God-breathed dreams, going after your God-ordained goals, following your God-anointed ambitions in, in, in life that chase hopelessness away. In other words, when, you, when you're pursuing your God-breathed dreams, when you're going after your God-ordained goals, when you're following your God-appointed ambition, it has a way of chasing hopelessness away. Yeah. Hopelessness has a way of setting in, taking root, and digging deeper when people have no God-given goals, objectives, or aspirations to track. But now the minute one gets up off that couch, gets out from in front of that TV, gets away from negative people, negative talk, and negative interpersonal relationships, and gets in route to wherever God is guiding Helplessness turns to hopefulness, and instead of looking bleak, the future begins to look bright. Oh, look at David and his men. Instead of sitting around the camp in despair, they are up and moving in route towards their blessings. Obedience is the key that unlocks and opens unto us the vast treasure. Of God's blessings. When David and his men got in route, they got blessed. And when we get in route chasing after those things that God has called us to do, we get blessed. So it was David and his men obey God, obey God, and they set out on a mission. Verse 10 tells us that David pursued with only 400 men because 200 of them were too tired to cross the brook Besor, which was approximately 20 miles from Ziglag. So imagine this. David comes to the brook. 400 of his men can still travel. 200 of them are exhausted from previous battles and the 20 mile trek. They are emotionally drained. They are emotionally spent. They have been grieving and they say, David, we just not cannot go on. If David and his 400 men were moving on, some of the men found an Egyptian slave of an Amalekite who had been left behind by his master to die. So Amalekite had a slave and, and he left him out there to die. When they brought the young man to David, David had compassion on him. David fed him and gave him something to drink and for he had not eaten in three days and, 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 and three nights. And when he regained his strength and when he was able to talk, David began to question him. David asked him, who did he belong to and where he was from? The man responded in verse 13. He said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite, and my master has left me behind. 
Notice the contrast that David, David is a man after God's own heart. David cares about people, but this, this Amalekite master left him behind. Verse 14, we made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to, to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned, get this, Ziglag with fire. David Ayers perks up now because when he heard and we burned Ziglag with fire, David understood that he was on to something. David said, can you take me down to this troop? The slave said, yes, I'll, I'll take you down. But, but only if you promise not to kill me and deliver me into the hands of my master. David said, deal. And it was on. Footnote. Sometimes God wraps hope in the most unusual packages. Ah, who could have imagined that God would use a hungry, thirsty Egyptian slave who had been left in a field to die, yeah. who could have imagined that David would use, God would use such a one to turn David's midnight into day. Yeah. Don't miss this. The text is trying to tell us something. Don't miss this. The Bible is trying to tell us something. Had David been a cold-hearted, arrogant, egotistical, high-minded, self-centered individual, he would have marched right past his God-ordained setup between hope and hopelessness. Ah, do you see the setup? Do Do you see the setup? How is it that a sick and starving Egyptian slave left in a field to die and the future king of Israel, how is it that they can connect over a cake of figs, two clusters of raisins, and a drink of water as verse 12 points out? Only God. How is it that David was down in the dumps and is now on the mountaintop After meeting this wounded Egyptian, only God. How is it that David once struggling with despair, disillusionment, discouragement, and some would even say depression, how is it that he now sees the light at the end of the tunnel? Only God. Don't miss it. Sometimes God... Ladies will wrap your blessing, not in a six foot ten body, but sometimes in a five foot eight body. Sometimes he might wrap your blessings, not in a six figure salary, 
but in a $30,000 salary. Don't miss it now. Sometimes, guys, God will wrap your blessing not in a perfect 10, but wrap your blessing in a character that will be a good mother for your children. That will be a good homemaker for you. Somebody that you can trust when your back is turned. Don't miss it. I was just thinking about this, how God blessed Sister Pickett and I back in 1999 when we first came to the little town of Gordonville. And the church wasn't where it is now. It had a screen door hanging on the side, and it was it was torn out, off, hanging off. And, and there was just a handful of people. But, but God said, don't miss it. Don't you blow by Gordonville. Don't miss it. Don't you worry about what's in Tampa, in Orlando, and in Jacksonville. Don't you miss it? Sometimes God wraps his blessings in the most unusual places and in the most unusual way. Philip asked Nathaniel, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? God wrapped a blessing that came out of Nazareth. Jesus, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Sometimes God will wrap your blessing in an unusual wrapping. The world will miss it, but don't you miss it. Only God. This episode, this episode came home to me as I as I studied the text that only God could have sent Jesus. The hope of glory. Notice how he was wrapped. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Not a purple robe. Not clothes of of royalty. Wrapped in a in in swaddling clothes. The scraps. Stuff that people would throw away. Nobody of royalty dressed in swaddling clothes. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in an inn. Only God could have set it up. So Jesus would suffer merciless beatings, brutality, and belligerence on our behalf. Only God could have allowed him to suffer, bleed, and die on Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. Only God could allow Jesus, our hope of redemption, get this now, to be wrapped in a linen cloth and buried in a borrowed tomb. Some folk would say that doesn't look like much hope to me. I don't like the rapping. In fact, two of his disciples heading away from Jerusalem on Sunday morning uh, uh, said, but we had, get this now, we had hoped, past tense, that he was the one, but no more. Hope didn't come wrapped like the world expected. But early on Sunday morning, Jesus, our hope, who was left to die on the cross, Jesus, our hope, who was despised and rejected, Jesus, our hope, who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, Jesus, our hope, by whose stripes we are healed, got up from the grave. 
Hope rose from the tomb. Hope defeated death. Hope rose with all power in his hands. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our help. Jesus is our salvation. Don't miss it. Fourth, David found hope when things seemed hopeless by standing on the promises of God. Verse 16, the Egyptian, get this now, who is no longer a slave. Just as Jesus liberated us from the slavery of sin, David liberated him from slavery of the Amalekite. He's no longer a slave. Brought David to the place of the Amalekites who were spread out all over the land. They were eating, the Bible says, drinking and dancing in celebration of all the great spoils that they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Verse 17, David and his men attacked them. From dawn one day to the evening of the next. David put a spanking on. And, and can I tell you something? With 400 men, David standing on the promises of God with just 400 men whipped them from the dawn of one day to the dusk of the next. How you know, Pastor, that they, 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 they had a large army? It says because they were spread out all over the land. Standing on the promises, David whipped them even though they were spread out all over the land. 400 men. And the Bible says 400 of their young men got away. That ought to tell you something. Doesn't that tell you something? When you stand on the promises of God, 400 of their young men got away. David only had 400 men fought all day long standing on the promises of God. 400 of their young men got away. And I began to wonder. I said, well, you know, why did did they get away? And here's a picketism. I think they got away. I think God let them get away. Because they were going to testify to what happens when you stand on the promises of David's God. Oh, I wish I could preach this this morning. Just stand on the promises of God. Whatever God says, stand on his promises. Stand on his, his promises. Although David had to fight the battle, he had hope in the reality that victory was his because of what God has promised. Oh, you know, we still have to fight the battle. We still got to go through the stuff. But victory because of what God has promised belongs to us. Don't become discouraged over the battle. Don't become disillusioned over the battle. Don't become distraught over the battle. If God promised it, the victory belongs to you. Look back at the promise of God in verse 8. God said to David, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and recover, and without fail, God said, recover all. I like that, that song, don't y'all? It says, take back what the devil stole from me. 
I shall recover it all. God said to David, you shall not fail. It was God's promise that provided hope for David when things seemed hopeless. So it is with us. It is God's eternal word that keeps us. It is God's eternal word that encourages us. It is God's eternal word that gives us hope no matter what CNN says. No matter what Fox News says. No matter what political analysts say. No matter what people say. When we know what God says and stand on the promises of God, hope is inevitable. That is, it's got to come your way. When you stand on what God says, hope is inevitable. Blessings must come your way. Russell Kelso Carter was a star athlete at a military academy, as well as an excellent student. He spent the last days of his life, his professional life, as a medical doctor. Although Carter was a professed Christian most of his life, it wasn't until a crisis with his heart that he began to understand the reality of, and the power of God's biblical promises. And so at age 30, his health was critical, in critical condition, and physicians could do no more for him. Carter turned to God for help. He never made a promise that healing or no healing. His life was fully consecrated to God. I like that because he's, trying to not make, he's not trying to make a deal with God. He's not saying, God, if you do this, I'll do that. What he's saying is that, God, my life now is fully committed to, to you. If you heal me, I'll go with that. But if you don't, I'll go with that. Reminds me of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to God, we serve. He is able to deliver us. But if not, we are fully committed to him. Is there anybody here today that you can say that? I, I, I want things to be well, and I want things to go my way. But if not... I still belong to God. Well, that's what Carter was. That's what Carter was. He nailed and made a promise that healing or no healing, his life was consecrated to God. The story goes that Carter was miraculously healed by God, a healing that led him to pen the hymn, the words of this hymn, entitled Standing on the Promises of God. Carter wrote, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Then the second stanza with which I'll close, Carter wrote, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling winds of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God, I will prevail. I'm standing. I'm standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Are you standing today? 
Are you committed to God? Are you standing on the promises of God? Hope is there. Help is there. Healing is there. Joy is there. Peace is there. Satisfaction is there. Success is there. Standing on the promises, not of man, not of woman, but of God, our Savior. 